Welcome inside the Dynasty War Room. I'm your host, Andrew Valancourt, and we are back today for episode four of the Dynasty War Room podcast. On today's show, we're going to do a two-round Dynasty rookie mock draft based off of a four-round NFL mock draft from Sports Illustrated that was published this past week. So we'll be looking at the landing spots for each rookie and seeing how that affects where we would be willing to take each player in our fantasy drafts. If you missed out on any of the show's previous episodes, including episode one, where I broke down this year's rookie class in more detail, you can find them on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or just about any other platform where you typically listen to podcasts. Make sure you follow the show on the platform of your choice, subscribe to Dynasty War Room on YouTube, and follow the show on Twitter, at Dynasty War Room. The mock draft we will be using today, which we will treat as if it were the real NFL draft, is a four-round draft from Sports Illustrated's Luke Easterling. There are some interesting landing spots for several different prospects and others that might make you scratch your head, but that's why an exercise like this is important during the pre-draft process, because NFL teams often do make picks that make you wonder what they're doing. I like to think of prospect rankings and evaluations as one half of the puzzle, but draft capital and situation make up the other half. It's important not to draft rookies based purely on one or the other. Things will change dramatically over the next few weeks with the NFL Combine and free agency, so we'll come back and do a full rookie deep dive over several episodes before the draft, but today's show should give you a good idea of where things currently stand. So we'll just jump right into this with this four-round draft from Sports Illustrated, and I'll start off by just running through the picks in each of the four rounds for offensive uh, skill positions. Uh, that way, you guys out there in listener land can get a good feel for where each player is picked as I run through the draft itself. So we'll start off with round one. Uh, with the first overall pick, Caleb Williams to the Bears. At pick number two, Jaden Daniels to the Commanders. At pick three, Drake May to the Patriots. Pick four, Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals. Pick five, Malik Neighbors to the Chargers. Pick six, Romo Dunze to the Giants. With the ninth overall pick, Easterling has Brock Bowers to the Bears. At pick 12, he has J.J. McCarthy to the Broncos. Pick 13, Bo Nix to the Raiders. And at pick 28 in the first round, Brian Thomas Jr. to the Buffalo Bills. So that's it for the first round. Uh, you know, a little surprise there with Bo Nix going as high as 13. And then only one of those wide receivers uh, that ends up in the late part of the first round in Brian Thomas. Uh, second round, though, is a lot more wide receiver heavy. So kicking off the second round with the first pick in the round, uh, 33rd overall pick, Keon Coleman to the Carolina Panthers, uh, pick 38, A.D. Mitchell to the te- uh, to the Tennessee Titans, Michael Penix at 239 uh, to the Giants. Uh, pretty nice landing spot there, I think, paired with uh, Romo Dunze, uh, both going to the Giants in this mock draft. Uh, pick 45, Lad McConkey to the New Orleans Saints. At pick 46, Troy Franklin to the Indianapolis Colts. At pick 49, Xavier Worthy to the Bengals. At 52, Spencer Rattler to the Rams. At 53, Xavier Leggett to the Eagles. And rounding out the second round, uh, pick 64, Malachi Corley to the Chiefs. I think that's a landing spot that will get some people excited uh, about him as he's somebody that's kind of been a sleeper throughout this draft process. Uh, third round, we got a couple tight ends here early on. We'll start with Jatavian Sanders. He goes at pick number 65 overall, first pick of the third round to the Panthers. 
pick 68, Tez Walker to the Patriots. Pick 69, we've tightened three off the board, Cade Stover to the Chargers. Uh, and then at 71 uh, of the first running back going off the board, Trey Benson uh, of Florida State to the Cardinals. At pick 73, Jalen Polk to the Lions. At pick 79, Roman Wilson to the Falcons. Pick 85, Brendan Rice to the Browns. And then our second running back at uh, pick 87 in the third round, Jonathan Brooks to the Dallas Cowboys. And then last two picks, wide receivers here, we have uh, 94 overall, Johnny Wilson to San Francisco. Pick 96, Malik Washington to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now the fourth round, where again we have even more tight ends, and we also have a handful of running backs going late in the round, uh, which is nice to see for mock draft purposes. Uh, but kicking it off uh, at pick 103, Theo Johnson to the Commanders. Um, another quarterback, Michael Pratt to the Vikings at pick 109. Jalen McMillan at 110 to the Falcons. At 111, Jermaine Burton to the Bears. Uh, ben Sinnott to the Jets at 112. Jamari Thrash at 114 to the Jets as well. Uh, 116, Jaheim Bell to the Bengals. At pick 118, Brevin Span Ford to the Indy Colts. At 122, Eric All to the Broncos. At pick 123 in the fourth round, Anaya Smith to Texas A&M. And then here we have a string of four running backs in a row. So at 127, we have Blake Corum to the Green Bay Packers. At 128, we have Braylon Allen to the Texans. At pick 130, we have Marshawn Lloyd to the Vikings. At 131, we have Ray Davis to the Ravens. And then to round it out, the last pick of this four-round mock draft from Sports Illustrated, we have wide receiver Javon Baker to the Baltimore Ravens. So of note, the two players from my original top 25 rankings uh, that I talked about in episode one on this show, uh, Bucky Irving and Audric Estime, are the only two players from that top 25 that were not selected in this mock draft. Uh, so that does make it very difficult to make those two players you know, top 24 picks in a rookie draft. Once you get to that fifth, sixth round, you know, it's the hit rate on really all positions. Um, but running back in particular, it's just slimmer and slimmer. The further down the draft you go, you really want to get that day two draft capital, which in this mock draft, there's only two players, Trey Benson and Jonathan Brooks. Uh, it is nice to see a couple guys here in the fourth round, Blake Corum, Braylon Allen, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, Ray Davis. Um, a couple of those guys I like a lot better than, the other two, um, which we'll talk about later on the show, but hard to see running backs going in the fifth round or later sneaking in to the top 24 of a rookie draft, um, unless, you know, the landing spot is just absolutely awesome. But, you know, without knowing where they land, uh, those two players, Irving and Estime, will not be in this rookie mock draft uh, in the top 24 because we're going to stick with players that were actually drafted here um, in these four rounds of the draft. So, starting off at 101 in your rookie Superflex mock drafts, I think the obvious pick is still Caleb Williams. So, Caleb Williams off the board here as well. He's going 101 to the Bears in this mock draft. I think it's becoming increasingly likely that that is actually what happens in the NFL draft in April. Uh, we'll probably see Justin Fields traded. I know there's been some buzz about Atlanta again, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Atlanta would be a great landing spot for him. Uh, but Caleb Williams, 101 to the Bears, easy 101 pick in Superflex as well. At 102, 
I'm going to go with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, he's my number two ranked prospect at the moment behind Williams, and he gets a nice landing spot here with the fourth overall pick to the Arizona Cardinals. I think that's a perfect spot. That's where I hope to see him go in this draft. Um, I think it's you, re, you really can't pick a better landing spot. So to me, while there are a couple quarterbacks here where a lot of different analysts and, and people in the dynasty community are going to say, well, you know, you got to take the quarterbacks early, especially in Superflex. And you have Jaden Daniels going with the second pick to Washington and Drake May at the third pick to New England. But Marvin Harrison is just too special of a prospect. I think the hit rate on quarterbacks is a little too 50-50 in my eyes uh, for what I'd be comfortable doing in the situation, whereas I think Marvin Harrison is somebody that's you know got a 90% plus chance to hit and be a stud receiver for your fantasy team for the next decade. So I'm going to take more of what I think is the safer, sure thing, um, who's still going to be you know, an incredible asset to have in Dynasty. He's already being valued you know, as a top six or seven, you know, rookie receiver, which I think is a, frankly, a little bit too high. But, you know, that just goes to show how highly people think of Marvin Harrison. At pick 103, which again, going to be a spot where a lot of people say you have to take a quarterback, but I do disagree. Uh, I think in this mock draft, Malik Neighbors going at the fifth pick to the Chargers is who I would select at 103 in a Superflex draft over Daniels and May. I think Neighbors is a really special talent. He's somebody that, you know, going to a situation here with uh, Justin Herbert and the new coaching staff, uh, I suspect that team will end up being a lot more competitive. Um, you know, you're probably going to see some changes at the wide receiver position there um, with some cuts. I, Mike Williams, I would be shocked if he's back. Um, I think Keenan Allen probably sticks around, but they're going to have to uh, you know, rework his contract most likely. Quentin Johnston looks like a bust. And so Malik Neighbors, I think, who in almost any other draft would be the clear wide receiver one. Um, I'll take him uh, happily at the 103. At 104, I'm going to go Jaden Daniels, which is a change from my rankings uh, from you know a few weeks ago. But in this mock draft, he does go second overall ahead of Drake May to the Commanders. And I do think that Washington is a better landing spot than New England right now. And so when you factor in that, you know, the NFL franchises that, you know, their careers ride on these decisions did take Jane Daniels ahead. And I know not every NFL team, you know, gets the pick right. We saw just last year with Stroud and Bryce Young. Uh, Stroud obviously ended up being the better quarterback, but Jaden Daniels, it's not just a, well, he went one pick ahead, so I'm going to take him one pick ahead of Drake May. I think Jaden Daniels probably has a higher ceiling than Drake May. And frankly, from a fantasy standpoint, it's possible that he has the highest you know, ceiling of any quarterback in this draft, Caleb Williams included. But I also think that Jaden Daniels is also the biggest boom-bust prospect of the top few quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, per particularly the top four quarterbacks. Um, I think J.J. McCarthy's solidified himself uh, in this group of four. But the rushing upside for Jaden Daniels is incredible. And when you have that baseline in fantasy football, again, we have to. Sometimes people get too caught up in, well, this guy might be a you know a little bit better of a real life quarterback, and and that could be true. But you want to win fantasy championships, and you want guys that can go out and you know, have 25, 30 point games. And those rushing yards are important for that in most leagues with, you know, standard PPR uh, four point touchdown scoring. So 
Jane Daniels to me right now, it, it's really a toss up. And I think if Drake may goes number two overall, he will be ahead of, of Jane Daniels in my rankings. Um, I have gone back and forth over the last few weeks. And as I dive into film here over the next month or two, um, I'll have a, a bit more of a, you know, solid stance on where I stand. But for the purposes of today in this mock draft, I'll go Daniels at four and I'm going to go Drake may here at the one Oh five, uh, to the Patriots. Uh, we, I just think that, you know, Drake may has more of that prototypical size and the arm strength and everything that you kind of look for in a prototypical, you know, prospect at the QB position. Um, and he does run the ball too. This is someone that had almost 500 yards rushing last year. So it's not like there's no rushing floor. And so that's why I think these guys are so difficult to distinguish because you have, you know, the one year wonder, the older prospect in Jane Daniels, which, you know, I'm very worried about, um, I'll be honest, I, you know, it's something that really scares me about Jane Daniels, the fact that he broke out so late, um, you know, 23-year-old versus Drake May, who's, you know, a few years younger. But, you know, the explosiveness that we saw from Daniels, I think, is right now the separation with the caveat that in this mock draft, Jane Daniels went with the second overall pick and Drake May went third. But Drake May is no slouch either running the ball, so I want people to remember that uh, so they don't think of it as, well, Jane Daniels is you know, he's got all the rushing upside and Drake May's a pocket passer. That's not the case. Um, you know, Drake May can run the ball and will. Moving on to 106, where again, compared to my rookie rankings from a few weeks ago, a little bit tougher decision. Um, you know, before I had Brock Bowers um, in the top five, you know, Romo Dunze was at 107 for me. But I'm going to go with Romo Dunze here at the 106 because he goes sixth overall in the draft to the New York Giants, which I think is a pretty good landing spot. I know that Daniel Jones is kind of a polarizing uh, you know, guy right now, but with this mock draft, the New York Giants also select his Washington teammate, Michael Penix Jr., uh, early in the second round. So it's one of those situations where you know, if Daniel Jones gets hurt again or struggles, there's going to be a very quick change to Michael Penix in this situation. And I like that connection. I like Romo Dunze as a prospect. I think he's the clear and easy wide receiver three above anyone else in this draft. So I like him at, at 106 because, again, I want to stay consistent when I talk about, you know, being a little bit worried about the quarterback hit rate in this first round, whereas I think with some of these elite top wide receivers that are going in the top six, um, I think it's a, a, just gives me a little bit more sense of safety, um, but also is still going to be somebody that you can just lock into your lineup. Um, and that brings me to my 107, which is going to be J.J. McCarthy. So J.J. McCarthy is a guy that I liked a lot in my first set of rankings. I had him at uh, my eighth overall player. Um, I think it was a little bit ahead of the curve compared to the dynasty community, which has now started to catch on. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people... Uh, just be big fans of McCarthy. And there's some talk about, you know, is he even higher than the fourth overall quarterback uh, on the board? And I'm going to have those same questions myself. And when I dive deeper into film again, you know, we'll see how things go and we'll see how the combine uh, goes for these quarterbacks. But JJ McCarthy has a lot to like, you know, there's the age, he's mobile, um, great arm. He's, he's a clutch player. He's great on third down. And, you know, he's played in a pro system, where, you know, he wasn't relied on to throw the ball to the same level that, you know, guys like Jane Daniels or Caleb Williams were. But 
Still, really talented athlete. I think a lot of teams are going to like the age. And in this draft, he goes 12th overall to the Denver Broncos. So I think when you have a quarterback that's going in the top 15, you know, he's going to have to be someone that you need to take in, you know, the top, you know, eight or nine picks in your rookie drafts. Um, And especially when the draft falls like this, where there's only one other uh, first round wide receiver later, um, you know, I think... J.J. McCarthy going at the 107 makes a lot of sense, especially in light of where Brock Bowers went in this draft. Brock Bowers is going to be my choice here at the 108, uh, tight end out of Georgia. He goes to the Chicago Bears with the ninth overall pick, which, you know, is nice in a sense that he's paired up with Caleb Williams. But they have Cole Komet, who they just paid a bunch of money to. Um, he's had a couple, uh, you know, back-to-back top 10 seasons at the tight end position for fantasy football. And so it's something where I all of a sudden, you know, I still believe that Brock Bowers is an elite tight end prospect. You know, he's probably, you know, easily the best one we've seen since, you know, since the Atlanta Falcons took uh, Kyle Pitts. But it's just something where I can't get behind the idea of him kind of sharing the role with Cole Komet, at least for the first couple of years. You know, would... Bowers end up taking over that starting job uh, relatively soon. I think so, but you know we're probably talking more like year two. And for a top ten pick, somebody in your superflex league, I would like that to come a little bit sooner. So um, for those reasons, I can't put him ahead of JJ McCarthy or Romo Dunze. But I do have him above Bo Nix, who I have slotted in at 109, quarterback out of Oregon. He's going 13th overall to the Raiders in this mock draft, and. This, to me, is a shock. I do not think that Bo Nix goes in the first round. Um, and if he does, I certainly don't think he goes in the top 15 like this. I think he's one of those guys that maybe somebody trades in to the last you know, five picks or so of the first round to get that fifth-year option. That's kind of where I see the path to him being a first-round pick. Uh, but Luke Easterling, Sports Illustrated, must be a big Bo Nix fan or believes that the Raiders are big fans of Bo Nix. And again, we talked about this with J.J. McCarthy. You have a quarterback that goes in the top 15. You have to take him, you know, in the first round of your uh, rookie Superflex mock drafts or real drafts, excuse me, let alone your mock drafts. But so I have him at nine. I think there's an argument certainly to him going at 108 in this situation ahead of Bowers if he does go to a team like the Bears where there already is an established player. But this is where I think you have to weigh kind of your prospect rankings versus the, you know, the draft capital, it is, again, you know, a, a mix of the two. And I think Brock Bowers is a significantly more elite prospect, um, which gives Bowers the edge at 108 versus Knicks at 109, um, which, again, Bo Knicks going 13th overall in this draft to uh, the Vegas Raiders. And now, Brian Thomas Jr., 110, uh, is going to be my pick here. Wide receiver from LSU, he goes with the 28th overall pick in this mock draft to the Buffalo Bills, which I think is a pretty good landing spot for him. Um, he's a big-time deep threat. He's got speed and size. Um, a little bit of a later you know, breakout production-wise, um, but he had that big uh, season this fall with you know, Jane Daniels and Malik Neighbors. He had 17 touchdowns. So somebody that can clearly find the end zone. Um, Josh Allen would probably love to have a deep threat of his caliber uh, on the roster. And so, you know, at the 10th pick in your rookie draft, I think that's pretty good value. And there's a clear tier break based purely on this mock draft uh, 
with the way I see it right now. I think from a ranking standpoint, I think there's a pretty clear break after the top eight. Um, I think that, you know, whether it's Odunze Bowers or JJ McCarthy that you have right now in that, that eighth spot uh, right now, I still, I think have JJ McCarthy in that spot. But again, I think that's something that could definitely change um, again, as we saw today with this mock draft where I have McCarthy going seventh, but Brian Thomas Jr. right now seems to be kind of that consensus wide receiver four um, behind the big three, and it plays out this way in this draft, going to a good landing spot in Buffalo, and that's where I have him going here at the 110. Now, at the 111, this is where things start to get pretty interesting in terms of, well, you know, there's no more first-round players. We've we've gone through all 10 of the guys drafted in the first round of the Sports Illustrated mock draft, and... That leaves you with a lot of different options to go with in terms of, you know, this one-two turn, who you go with at 111, 112, 201. And I am starting to come around a lot on Troy Franklin, uh, the wide receiver out of Oregon. I think that he is right there with Brian Thomas for me as to who would be wide receiver four in my rankings. I do think that the draft capital gives Thomas Jr. a, you know, a pretty significant edge in this scenario. But when it comes down to all these second-round receivers, again, we've got Keon Coleman going to the Panthers, A.D. Mitchell to the Titans, McConkey to the Saints, uh, Franklin to the Colts, Worthy to the Bengals. I like Troy Franklin in the spot at 111 to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think he's got the, you know, the speed and good hands. I think it's somebody that would fit well with Anthony Richardson, who's coming back from injury, and could potentially be the wide receiver two on this team. And, you know, who knows? If... Michael Pittman doesn't resign. You're looking at the wide receiver one, uh, you know, pending free agency for the Indianapolis Colts. So I do think that Pittman returns, whether it's franchise tag, uh, like T. Higgins just got with the Bengals, or um, you know, a, an extension. I either way, I still like Troy Franklin to the Colts. I think that offense has a lot of potential uh, over the next couple seasons. So I'll go with Troy Franklin at the 111. Now at 112, uh, I'm going to go with a guy that again is pretty polarizing. Keon Coleman out of Florida State. He's going with the first pick of the second round to the Panthers, which, you know, not necessarily the best landing spot, but the reason I have him ahead of some of those other names in the second round is I think this is an opportunity for Keon Coleman to be the clear alpha on the team, the clear wide receiver one. If Bryce Young works out in the league, he's he's going to need somebody like Coleman who can, you know, be a red zone threat, get those jump balls. Um, he's not going to be one of those, you know, separators that, you know, turns into a PPR machine. That's not the style of player he is. But could he turn into, you know, an efficient red zone target, um, big play type of guy? I think absolutely. He certainly can make the highlight reel plays. And so with the last pick in the first round, you know, this is probably going to be a contending team in your league. Uh, I think that's a perfectly fine risk to take. Uh, even despite, you know, those analytical numbers with, you know, his lack of separation um, and, you know, the yards per out run being relatively low, things like that. Uh, but he still has a lot of raw talent. So um, he'll be my last pick of the first round in this 12-team Superflex rookie mock draft. Now moving on to the second round. I'm going to stay at wide receiver. I like Xavier Worthy out of Texas at the 201. He's going with the 49th overall pick in this mock draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. Fast, deep threat, questionable hands, 
Um, you know, he de- definitely struggled with drops, but somebody that going to a team like the Bengals where, you know, they might not re-sign Boyd, you know, T. Higgins is back on a one-year deal with the franchise tag. There's still the possibility that he gets traded uh, while on the franchise tag. So I like this spot where he can settle in behind, you know, Jamar Chase potentially as the wide receiver three for this first year as a rookie um, if T. Higgins does indeed uh, play on the franchise tag. So, you know, being paired up with a guy like Joe Burrow is always a positive for fantasy. And I think the big play, big plays, you know, could certainly be there for Xavier Worthy. Um, broke out really early as a freshman, had a really nice year. And, you know, it didn't necessarily explode over time as a prospect like I would have, you know, enjoyed to see, but still somebody that I like a lot. Um, You know, I tend to, uh, you know, I think he's right there neck and neck with some of these other receivers. We mentioned Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas. I think it's kind of a four pack of receivers in that range to me. And uh, so I like him at the 201 in this draft. At 202, I'm going to go back to quarterback with Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. He's going with the 39th overall pick to the New York Giants. We mentioned earlier that his college teammate Roma Dunze went 6th overall to the Giants as well. And, you know, that's something where, you know, reestablishing that college connection I think could be a big positive for the Giants. I don't think Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the future even though they did give him that four-year contract, I think it's something where Penix would probably start on the bench. And then as soon as Daniel Jones, you know, struggles, you know, has a bad game or two to start the year, I think that switch would happen relatively quickly. So I do like the landing spot early second round. Um, you know, it's there's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of different landing spots for Penix, whether it's something where a team trades up into the back half of the first round or, you know, this early second round, or we could see a scenario where he falls and it's a, you know, a a late second round, somewhere in the third type of scenario. We've seen that before where we think guys will go earlier and then, you know, teams just don't need quarterbacks and they, they fall a little bit down the board. So older prospect, a lot of injury concerns throughout his time in college, both at Indiana and Washington. So, um, you know, we'll see. I like him a lot as a prospect. I think I like him better than Bo Nix. Uh, but given the draft capital in this situation, uh, you know, that's why Michael Penix ends up here in the second round at pick 202 uh, instead of in the back half of the first in rookie mock drafts. At, one, at 203, excuse me, we're finally going to get a running back to come off the board. Now, there's no running backs that were drafted in the second round of this NFL mock draft, um, which I think is, you know, very realistic. Um, I don't think it's all that strong of a draft class at the running back position, but two running backs do go day three, uh, and I'm actually going to take the one that goes second first. So at 203, I'm going to go Jonathan Brooks, uh, running back out of Texas. He goes with the 87th overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys, and I think he's the best running back in this class from a you know prospect standpoint. I do think he's not really going to provide you much as a rookie, which is something you need to be aware of. Uh, we talked about that on episode one. Uh, coming off you know, the severe knee injury and everything, it's going to be a bit of a slow rebound. So if he does go to the Cowboys, it's probably a scenario where they bring back Tony Pollard on a one-year deal or they sign someone like Derrick Henry to a one-year contract. Something where you know there'll be a bit of a committee and then the backfield will get fully turned over to Brooks in year two. But I like him a lot out of Texas. I think he, you know, gives you that receiving 
that you want uh, in a three down back. Um, and he also was a really strong, efficient runner as well. So Jonathan Brooks going into 203. At 204, I'm going to stay at running back and go with Trey Benson, the running back out of Florida State. He's the first running back off the board in this mock draft, going uh, 71st overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Again, this is a situation where, like Brooks, I think he's going to be in a committee in year one. I think that James Conner in this scenario would still be the starter there. But I think, you know, it'd be a solid committee where Benson would work his way in. Um, it's something where... And, and unfortunately, this could be the case for a lot of the running backs in this draft class. There might not be many players that have the opportunity to become, you know, the sole lead back that dominates, you know, the the carries out of a backfield. I don't really know that there's one of those guys in this draft. I think Brooks is probably the best bet to be in that scenario. But, you know, that's where him coming off the injury hurts him a little bit because I do think that there's a chance he could go in the late second otherwise. But... Uh, Trey Benson, you know, has some nice, uh, you know, numbers, but it would have been nice to see him get a little bit more work in college at Florida State. Um, he never quite got the workload that you would really like to see, but he was coming off of, you know, s- some pretty serious injuries early in his career, um, you know, before transferring over to Florida State. So a uh, nice bounce back for him. I think this is a good landing spot, you know, third round, early early chunk here of the of the third round. Uh, at pick 71 overall and the Cardinals are a team that I do expect to take a running back so uh, should be a much improved offense they also end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. in this mock draft so again pretty good landing spot I expect that offense to be to be you know much improved Um, so that's why I have Trey Benson going at 204. At 205 we have a player that uh, was not in my top 25 rankings uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's going to change uh, as we get more and more into this draft process, and as we when we do another draft ranking update in a few weeks, uh, Lad McConkey, wide receiver out of Georgia, uh, will be in the top 24. Um, despite the lack of production in this draft, he goes with the 45th overall pick to the Saints, and this is somebody that he's kind of the opposite of Keon Coleman. He's you know a really good route runner, really good separator. Um, probably going to be like a PPR machine in the NFL. I don't really expect him to ever be like a wide receiver one, but this is somebody that could come in and give you some solid production, be a consistent guy in your flex. Um, I do like to take the shot earlier in drafts on guys that I think can be an alpha in an offense and be that wide receiver one. I don't see that with McConkie. Uh, His production was not all that impressive at Georgia. Um, He never had a thousand yard season. Um, he was never the first, you know, receiving option. That was always Brock Bowers. So, um, you know, there are definitely some concerns with his profile, but uh, there is a lot to like in terms of his ability to separate and, and get open, which um, is important. And for uh, an offense where you're going to get stuck with, you know, some mediocre quarterback play here with Derek Carr, um, you know, having that skill set to get open and he'll probably take some attention uh, away from Chris Olave uh, will be nice for all parties. So I have him going at the 205. At 206, we have a guy that another kind of polarizing prospect that I'm not all that big on. Um, he's not somebody that I'm that excited about, but he does go 38th overall to the Tennessee Titans, and that's A.D. Mitchell, wide receiver out of Texas. Um, I am going to dig into more film on him because he's somebody that you know, I've seen a lot going at the one-two turn in NFL mock drafts. Um, here he goes 
again, pretty early in the second round to the Titans, which I think is a, a pretty reasonable landing spot. They certainly could use a wide receiver, uh, you know, give Will Levis some more receiving options. But I do think he's another one of those kind of boom bust prospects. And so that is why I, you know, that's why I have him at the 206. I, he's not somebody that I'm in love with as a prospect. Uh, there will be some people that, based on this draft capital and landing spot, probably have him going at the one two turn. But again, I'd rather have one of those two running backs or Michael Penix or some of these other uh, mid second round receivers over Mitchell. So uh, to me, he's kind of the last player in a tier out of these mid, early to mid-second round uh, wide receivers and then those third-round running backs. Next up, we have another second-round wide receiver, this one going with the last pick in the round uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go with Malachi Corley at 207, wide receiver at a Western Kentucky. Uh, a smaller guy, kind of, you know, might be a gadget player, but also somebody that... Um, you know, was a was really good against zone coverage. Uh, could get open for his quarterback. He, had, he did have a lot of manufactured touches, but I think that also speaks a little bit to his skill and how important he was to that offense. And going to Kansas City, you know, a team that you know clearly likes to go after these you know smaller, speedy wide receivers. You know, we'll take that shot with Patrick Mahomes. You know, almost every time. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But for this draft cost, you know, at two hundred seven. Um, I certainly like that a lot more than, you know, where Sky Moore was going a few years ago, something like that. So I think he could be a solid number two receiver for this team uh, behind Rasheed Rice. And, you know, he's comped a lot to like Debo Samuel. And and until I get a little bit more into the film, I'm not going to speak to that as much. But from, certainly from a style standpoint, that's something that I have seen and heard. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. Um, but again, second round receiver going to the Chiefs pretty solid bet. Um, we all saw this year that they certainly could use another receiver um, on that offense, given the number of drops by, you know, pretty much everyone on that team outside of Rice. Now here at 208 in this rookie draft, I'm going to go back to the running back position uh, with another pair of players, uh, both from the Big Ten. So I'm going to start with Braylon Allen, running back out of Wisconsin. He's going to pick 128 to the Houston Texans. And I have him at this 208 spot right now, one pick ahead of Blake Corum. Um, and I can talk about both of these players together. So I have Blake Corum going at 209, running back out of Michigan. He's going at 127, uh, one pick before Braylon Allen in this, mock, in this mock to Green Bay. But I have Allen uh, one spot ahead in terms of rookie rankings in this mock draft for a few reasons. Number one is age. Braylon Allen's one of the youngest players, I think the youngest player in this entire draft. Um, he's going to be 20 years old uh, when the NFL season starts, whereas Blake Corum is, you know, three years older. Um, Corum had that injury uh, at the end of his junior season that, you know, I think slowed him down a bit um, and is part of the reason why some of his analytical numbers and, um, you know, PFF grades and whatnot are not necessarily as high. Um, you know, we talk about things like elusive rating and breaking tackles and Blake Corum does not have you know, great marks in, you know, a category like, you know, tackle breaking, but I think his vision is elite and, you know, he's a shifty guy. And I think that that matters. We saw the production, um, you know, when you have a first round quarterback and you still choose to give the ball to a guy like Blake Corum, I think that does, you know, mean something and, and it worked, you know, winning the national title does that. So, um, but Braylon Allen, younger, um, bigger, I think he's going to be faster than Blake Corum. Uh, 
um, even though he's going to come in at a much larger size. But I like both players. Uh, you know, I think both are going to be really good uh, running backs. I think the biggest reason for why I would take Allen over Corum, assuming they both go, you know, late fourth round in the NFL draft, is I have a hard time seeing how Blake Corum's value ever rises to a point where he's you know, considered like a top 10 running back in dynasty because of his age and the draft capital. I think it's something where he's going to have to produce, you know, at a pretty high level right away as a, as a rookie and as a sophomore. Um, Whereas Braylon Allen, given his age, if he doesn't break out right away as a rookie, I think that's still, there's still time for him to, you know, gain value and, become a top 10 top 12 dynasty running back so I think that's one of those things where at this stage in the draft you know you're factoring a little bit of you know it's not just who's going to help me the most this year which you know very well could be Blake Horum but maybe who's going to have a little bit more of a valuable you know longer term career and I think that Braylon Allen has a better chance of becoming you know one of those running backs that we talk about for a five or six year period, as opposed to Blake Corum, who might, you know, only be, you know, a starting running back for, you know, a three year window. Shifting to the 210 in this mock draft, uh, I'm going to go with Jatavian Sanders at tight end out of Texas. Um, he's going with the first pick of the third round, 65 overall to the Panthers. And I think that Sanders. You know, the Panthers are a decent landing spot um, because I think the depth chart is pretty wide open for him to become the starter right away. Um, you know, Hayden Hurst battling some injury issues and age. And um, I think Sanders is a great receiving tight end, which is certainly something that Bryce Young could use. And in this draft, he gets both Sanders and Keon Coleman. So that offense should be significantly improved based on this mock draft. Um, and I think that this is a great spot to get the tight end two in a draft, particularly if you're someone that plays in a tight end premium league like I do. Um, I think that's, you know, the ideal way to play. And this is a pretty good spot. First pick of the third round, um, tight end two off the board, and it's to a team where he's going to be able to play. I think sometimes you see things where when you get into the third and fourth round uh, and the tight end two or three in a class, they might end up on a team where they already have a more established guy. I mean, look at what happened in this draft with Brock Bowers going to the Bears. Um, and that's in the first round, the top 10. You know, I think that's pretty unlikely. But, you know, once you start getting in the third and fourth round, there's going to be teams that will just take a guy because, you know, he's talented and maybe he becomes a rotational piece. You know, you're not necessarily counting on somebody in the third or fourth round to become a day one starter. But this is a situation where I think he would be. And so from a fantasy perspective where you really don't care that he's a subpar blocker, um, you only care about the fact that he's great at receiving. 210 to me is a great spot for Jatavian Sanders. At 211, I'm going to go with Roman Wilson, wide receiver from Michigan. He goes with the 79th overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons. He's somebody that's been rising up draft boards. Um, I'm not even sure that he lasts this long into the third round. I think there's a decent chance that he goes in the second round of the NFL draft, which would bump him up a few spots in rookie mock drafts. But I think that Roman Wilson could be a great number two receiver for Atlanta, um, whether it's with Justin Fields or whether, you know, he's paired up with his college quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. You know, who knows what the situation will be, Russell Wilson, et cetera. 
Um, I think that Roman Wilson could be a really solid, you know, wide receiver two for this team. I think he's probably going to be the third receiving option. Kyle Pitts would certainly, uh, you know, still be above him in terms of, you know, the progressions of where you're going to look for to throw, but um, really solid, really solid player, you know, is a senior, um, didn't necessarily have like the huge college production that you would love to see from receivers. But, you know, as we've talked about with the Michigan offense, everything was working. He was JJ McCarthy's clear number one target, um, relied on him all the time in big moments. And he balled out at the senior bowl, which uh, really boosted his draft stock. So uh, at the 211, I think that's a pretty good spot and, and really some pretty great value uh, for your dynasty leagues. And to round it out at the 212, uh, there's a lot of guys to go with um, that I haven't touched on, but I am going to go, I'm going to stick with wide receiver and go with Jalen Polk, a wide receiver out of Washington. He went 73rd overall to the Detroit Lions. And I'm not sure yet, you know, I, I think this fits pretty much exactly where I have him in my rankings, you know, kind of right at that 2 3 turn. And. I think it's a solid landing spot. I don't think he'd ever have the chance to become a wide receiver one, you know, with Detroit. I think it's something where he'd be fighting Jamison Williams to be the wide receiver two. And, you know, I was never in love with Jamison Williams as a prospect or, you know, coming back in his second year, et cetera. I, you know, obviously he's, he's been a bust to this point, but with that being said, Jamison Williams did show, you know, some, some signs of life there at the end of the season he had a nice playoff run with Detroit and depending on what that team does with Josh Reynolds um, I think in if the Lions are drafting a receiver in the third round it's probably a pretty good indication that they did not re-sign Reynolds Um, otherwise you know I'm not sure that Polk would be my pick here but this is an elite offense uh, with you know a pure passing quarterback he's not going to be running the ball around Um, so Jalen Polk could be a nice outside receiver and paired with Amon Ross St. Brown, he's probably never, you know, we we mentioned Jameson Williams as a guy that he'd fight with for, you know, targets on the outside, but Sam Laporta is probably still going to be the number two read in the passing attack. So, you know, then you got Jameer Gibbs and everything. So there's a lot of mouths to feed in Detroit, but we did see that Detroit was able to do it. Ben Johnson is back. And so weapons in an offense like this, where I fully expect it to be, you know, a top five offense in the league for the next couple of years, I want pieces in that type of system. So that's why I'm going to go with Jalen Polk here at the 212. And that wraps up the top 24 of this Dynasty Superflex 12-team two-round mock draft. And again, we used Luke Easterling's four-round mock draft from Sports Illustrated uh, to go through this on today's episode. And I do want to touch on a few other players that I think could easily have gone here in the back few picks of the second round and would be my next several selections in the third round. And again, the combine is going to change how we see these players. Um, but Marshawn Lloyd, he was probably the guy that I was you know closest to going with at the 212 other than Polk. He goes at pick 130 in the fourth round to the Minnesota Vikings. He would probably have a chance to be a starter or at least you know be a committee running back. Uh, Ray Davis, another running back that goes in this mock, uh, one pick later at 131 to the Baltimore Ravens. I think uh, Tez Walker, wide receiver, he's going in the early third round to the New England Patriots. I think that would make a lot of sense 
uh, in this draft, and um, I'd have no complaints about someone taking him over a, a Jalen Polk. Um, he's paired up with its college QB and Drake May in this draft, much like Odunze and Penix were. Uh, Xavier Leggett is the only second round wide receiver that I did not select in the top 24. And I just don't like him as a prospect. If I'm being honest, I, you know, really late breakout, a one-year wonder. Uh, I just, I can't come around to it and maybe he'll surprise me, but I also don't like the landing spot in this mock draft. He goes at the back of the third to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles where, you know, best case scenario, he's going to be the wide receiver three and probably the fourth passing option. Uh, in that offense, you know, because Dallas Goddard is still going to be, you know, someone that probably gets more targets. So not a huge fan of that. I think that's a pick where, you know, he's probably not effective as a rookie, but, you know, maybe there's some drama with AJ Brown and he gets traded. And I think that is the window where Xavier Leggett in this situation would probably find himself uh, in the back half of the second round uh, in a rookie draft. But in this situation, I think there's too many other good options. And so that's where I, you know, I do look at my rankings and I go, you know, he's just not, he's just not there for me. Uh, So he would not be, he's not the pick for me. Obviously I went with, you know, other players, but I think even among this other group, he would be a little bit further down. But I think uh, as a mid third round pick, getting a second round receiver is extremely good value. So in that sense, you know, he could end up being a value, but uh, another couple guys that I like uh, Javon Baker, Goes with the in the fourth round, the last pick of the fourth to the Ravens. I, that, I think that's a prospect that I'm starting to rise on. Um, I don't know that he gets into the third of the NFL draft, but uh, fourth round would be pretty solid for him, especially to an offense like Baltimore that could certainly use another receiver. Uh, Cade Stover goes in the third round to the LA Chargers. I think that's a good landing spot. Uh, and then Malik Washington, who goes with the last pick in the third round to Jacksonville. He's another player, highly productive slot receiver um, in college. And, you know, that's somebody that I'm more than willing to take a flyer on there in the third round. So there you have it. There's a few extra names. Um, if you're listening and you made it this far, you know, comment on, you know, Twitter and or YouTube, wherever you're watching the show. Tell me what you think. Um, you know, what, what picks do you agree with? What ones do you, you know, think, Hey, you should have gone somewhere else. And, uh, are there any picks in this draft that, you know, really surprise you? Uh, so let me know and, uh, I'll take a look at those. I'll, I'll try to comment back and, um, you know, take a look at all the comments that, that we can get. So, uh, thank you again for listening. I appreciate you all. Uh, this is the dynasty war room podcast, and we will see you all next week post NFL Draft Combine, uh, and right before free agency, we got a couple really exciting episodes coming up, and we hope you come back and tune in. Thanks so much.